There are men who think that Comic-Con is just a short way of saying Comic-Chameleon. There are men who think cosplay is that fenced-off area for kids at Costco. And then there's Doug Bost and Adam Bernstein, two men who should have better things to do but aren't doing them right now. These are two grown-ass men. Man. Time for another grown ass man. Welcome back. <laughs> We're in the triple digits back with another grown ass man episode. We went to uh Comic Con, which I think was a super spreader event, and that's how I got COVID. It was really, really fun. And it was like it's just amazing to me always when we go to that, like what is happening and like how people are so deep into the characters of the comic book world and we only went for a sunday afternoon it's yeah. so enormous it's like going to i don't know the metropolitan museum or something you can never do it all in one day right it's um also very much about how for up and coming creators can get a table and advertise their wares that seems to be more and more what it's about too whereas you know when we were much younger and going like that was a small part but that was what i loved in this con was walking through artist alley and just seeing all the artists who had their stuff on display great stuff it was also i thought very interesting to see all the sameness between a lot of the art there were yeah what six long aisles of artists each aisle was as long as a football field yeah and i have to say a lot of that art whether it was done for independent comics or animation or mainstream comics 90 percent of it was very similar it felt very much based on Japanese anime and and like kind of Archie um that kind of sensibility a lot of it is due to the fact that everything is done digitally now right and then right we we're upstairs looking in the section where uh they sell a lot of old comics and there was a booth that was manned by the one and only yes Jim Steranko yeah he's not an artist alley right even though you know like frank miller and chris claremont and everybody they're all down in artist alley jim steranko has his own booth in a whole different area of comic-con as far as i know jim steranko goes to every comic-con he's 84 years old he is just a fixture at these at these cons and yeah. he's an incredible character he's somebody who Adam and I have always wanted to have on the show, and now we know. <laughs> we now we know that we're we're never going to have him on. Yeah, and, you know, Vincent Cerzolo was generous enough to actually reach out to him once, and he basically gave him the same reply that he gave us when we met him. And that's kind of what today's episode is just about. Is since we'll never get Jim on the show, here's. Yeah. We just want to sort of talk about who he is and, and relate the experience that we had in meeting him 
at, at Comic-Con. So first, let's talk about who he is. He grew up in Pennsylvania. He became a, uh, well, he was arrested for, I think, stealing cars when he was 17 with another <laughs> buddy. So he was um, an illustrator, and he was in advertising, and he got into comics. But then before that, when he was younger, he grew up in Pennsylvania, and he became a magician. He was a, like a right. close-up magician and an escape artist. Right. I mean, the escape artist thing is out of his nuts. It's outrageous. And he showed us when we went in. So we, we at the Comic-Con, Adam and I walked into this booth where Steranko's sitting behind a desk. And really, there was nobody in there talking to him at the point that we Right, went. at first, yeah. Yeah, then, of course, there was a line of people and we were kind of dominating his time for a while, but that was fine. We went in and he just stood up and said hello. He was happy to... He has an iron grip, 84 years old, <laughs> grabs your hand like he's going to brush your thumb. And right. <laughs> he's also very handsome with a big shock of gray hair, a lot of sartorial splendor. He wore a... Uh, his turtleneck with his suit. Turtleneck with a nice jacket over it. He just looked very put together. He always looks that way. He always, exactly. He always wears like a double-breasted suit and a turtleneck. When did you first get introduced to, to the art of uh, Jim Steranko? That's a really good question. And I, I don't know if I could identify exactly when, but it must have been fairly early in my collecting when I started to reach out into getting older issues. I'm pretty sure my first issues that I got of his work were the fame, probably some of the most famous, which is uh, Captain America 110, 111, and 113. Amazing covers, and he did all the artwork inside. And I remember when I got that, I was like, all right, this is a big notch above a lot of the stuff that you were seeing. Oh, yeah. He did covers that were like movie posters. It just yeah. made you so excited to read the comic. And the amazing thing about him is that when you got inside the comic, there was no letdown. Yeah. It's, it's every page was as good as that. And it like I think he had a different way of drawing. It was the same way in that his generation that popped in with Neil, Neil Adams. You know, like how they just brought a realism to the characters. I mean, the characters were cut, but they weren't like just bloated muscles, you know? So it was a lot more anatomy that was a little bit more realistic. The whole thing had a little bit more mature look to it. I mean, if you compare it to like Kurt Swan's Superman stuff or something, it's just so much more mature looking than the stuff that was really floating around in mass before that. And it's also so much more dynamic in a different way than like Jack Kirby. Yes. He's not tied to boxes on a comic book page. Right. He doesn't at all care if there's six boxes with dialogue in them and pictures. 
he's doing something completely different, you know, than Paul Galassi picked up and and did so beautifully yeah. in yeah. his own way. But Starenko and Neil Adams, they did things that were just groundbreaking and, and beautiful. Yeah, I remember really, I bought those issues. I still have them somewhere in a box. <laughs> and like, you know, whenever I see them, it's still, it just holds up. It's amazing. I mean, that's why he is still at all these cons. I mean, besides the fact that he's like a magic man and like a Houdini character and like a spy and like a government person. I mean, he's like, he's the man who is everything, you know, it's just so crazy. And that's what was so much fun about meeting him. When we got talking to him, he, at a certain point, he liked talking to us. He was having a good time. Yeah, well, we were kind of knowledgeable about a lot of his different work. And you, in particular, had known a lot about his covers for novels. Oh, my God. So that's when I first encountered Jim Steranko, is when I was a kid, I read all the books in the Shadow series. Right. They were all pulp novels from the 1930s. And I just loved them because they got republished in the 60s and 70s with these lurid and beautiful new covers. And I would go down to my local supermarket and every couple of weeks they would have new paperbacks of The Shadow and I would buy them. You know, my parents would be buying groceries and I would be buying these Shadow novels. And each one had a cover by Jim Steranko. And oh my God, they're gorgeous covers. You can look at them up online. You know, it's just, you know, the shadow with his huge slouch hat. You know, the shadow is this, of course, this famous novel and radio Avenger. Right. I know the radio shows. Crime Stopper. And these, these novels were super fun. But the covers, I had no idea who Jim Steranko was, but the covers brought him to life in a way that you were like, oh my God, I got to know what happens in this book. Why does he have a skull on his card? And why, you know, it's exciting. So when we met Steranko, I had to say, you know, those covers meant a lot to me. And he was interested in that. Because that's not mentioned every day to him. I'm positive of that. And I don't know, I don't know why, but yeah, I'm sure of it. And he also, I think he liked and also didn't like that we kind of kept up with him in the conversation. Like he immediately said, do you know who wrote those novels by the shadow? And I was like, yeah, yeah. Walter B. Gibson. And he was like, yeah. And he was, I could tell. <laughs> he was like, okay, yes. Walter B. Gibson, also known as Maxwell Grant. And uh, he said he was like a, a father like to a me. Father figure to him, right. Editor's note, before we go on, here's a quick digression about Walter B. Gibson, a.k.a. Maxwell Grant. When I was a kid, I was, you know, I was really into those shadow books in a weird way for a kid, I guess. They were old pulp novels from the 30s, you know, and I was right. growing up in the 70s. And um, <laughs> I, I actually used Maxwell Grant as a pseudonym. That's the author of all the shadow yeah. novels. And so I would send away for catalogs as Maxwell Grant and Hailman got to know that I that it was me, you know, and so I would get like uh, catalogs for um, 
there was an elevator shoe company that I got a catalog for one time. And uh, I joined the um, AARP, a very, a very you young. You did? Group. Yeah, oh as my Maxwell God, Grant. Um, right, when but, you were like 10 years old. Yeah, I would just send away, <laughs> I would just fill out everything I could, you know, because because all the magazines that were in the stores, you know, they all had those little um, forms that you could just pull out of the magazine. Yeah. Fill out your name and address and you know, no postage required. You could mail it off. and You just uh, wanted mail. You just wanted me. Right? Exactly you wanted some mail. I, mean, I just wanted who gets mail. mail. Who gets mail when they're 10? <laughs> yep. Yep. Well, Maxwell Grant got a lot of mail. Okay. Digression over. Back to the amazing Steranko. Do you know Jim Steranko invented the look of Indiana Jones? That's right. That makes that makes sense. I could see that. Because George Lucas, when Lucas and Spielberg were coming up with the idea for the first Indiana Jones movie, Raiders of the Lost Ark, they, George Lucas went to Jim Steranko and he said, can you draw me uh, some production images so I have an idea of what we want to do? And right. I, I want him to have a, I guess George Lucas, all George Lucas said to Steranko was, he's going to be a pulp hero, like from the 30s. I want him to have a, a big hat like um, Bogart had in Treasure of the Sierra Madre. And I mm -hmm. want to have a, a leather jacket like I wear, personally. Yeah. That's all he said. And then Steranko came up with everything else. The, he came up with the bullwhip and he came right. up with the, uh, you know, the kind of pants that he wears and the, you know, the, and even the scenarios. You know, he, he drew these things that eventually George Lucas put in the movie, you know, that he's in a room full of snakes and that he's... yeah. It's great. I mean, that's really similar to stuff that he brought to a lot of the other books. I mean, he's really famous for the Captain America books, and there's only three of them. I mean, you have to think about that. You know, just the Captain America title on its own, by now there must be a thousand issues or close to it. And he's famous for doing three. Well, this is one of my favorite things that you have pointed out that I didn't realize, Adam, is how many comics Jim Steranko did. Yeah, not that many. It was like 56 or something like that. <laughs> Whether a combination of covers or an interior art. And I looked up a lot of the covers and his most famous stuff is The Cat. And I think he took on Nick Fury when they made it a, a solo book. He said to Stan, like, I'll take this book because nobody wants it and no one cares about it. Right. Right. And he did. I mean, if you check out Nick Fury, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., which is around 68. One, number three, number six, seven. Those covers are phenomenal and some interior art, too. I mean, it's outrageous, but there's a lot of that kind of psychedelic thing coming in the way they did it on posters. and. You know, tying it in, you can see like snakes, you know, like in a way, like a psychedelic kind of way that those kind of images are just popping in. Yeah, it's very 60s and, style. I yeah, always very, like the Avengers, Fury, remember that show, the Avengers. Yeah, and like Man from Uncle. Right, exactly, that kind of stuff. But I always think of um, Nick Fury even more than Captain America for Starenko. Yeah. 
but you're right. Those Captain America covers are so emblematic of what he can do. He got started on Strange Tales, I think around 153 or 151. And he got inked or he was inking Jack. And like, you could see it emerging his style pretty fast, you know, but, you know, the first few issues are pretty raw. I mean, who knows how much time he even had to do it or anything like that. But, you know, that's only a few years before. And the stuff just really starts to totally pop, you know, by the time he gets completely recognized by everybody as being, wow, this is a really happening guy on the scene. Right. You know, I mean, he took over X-Men for a while before X-Men just died. So he was taking on books that people that were not successful. I didn't realize he did X-Men. He did. He did number 50. I think he does one or two issues. So when we met him, yeah, I was trying to figure out a way to ask him to come on the show and be interviewed. <laughs> That's right. And one of the first things I said was that recently, because this is true, recently I bought his two-volume history of comics. He basically takes you through all the characters who mattered the most in building up what comics were up to that point. Yeah. Stan was going to do it, and then Stan didn't have time to do it. He said, yo, you should do it. Well, that's what I loved was, you know, you could see the sparkle in this 84-year-old guy's eyes as soon as we started talking about it. And he was like, do you know why? I did that book <laughs> yeah. because I was walking down the street with Stan, just me and Stan one day. I told him to do it. I told him nobody done a history of comics. And I couldn't help myself. I said, what about Jules Pfeiffer's book? And he was like, mm, I love Jules Pfeiffer, but his book is completely different than what I did. Completely. Right, right, right. I was like, oh yeah, I'm not, please. <laughs> I'm not trying to, <laughs> but he said that, he had told Stan to do a history of comics and do it as a serious book that would get studied and get the comics taken more seriously. And Stan basically said that he didn't have time. Yeah. And Steranko said, I'll write it and you sign your name to it. And then he wrote it and Stan was like, I can't sign my name to this. This is totally you. And he's still comics. defending his legacy. I felt that. Right. Like still trying to sell the fact that how majorly influential he was. And that's a strange thing that all those guys seem to have in common. Right. right? Maybe because they just weren't. It's not like Frank Miller is now like when we saw Frank Miller, like and we were going to take a picture of him from far away, like a <laughs> woman almost like like CIA style almost dived at us to like throw us to the ground so we wouldn't be able to take a photo. You know, those creators are, that came later are treated so much better. Oh my God. What, but why would you come like Frank Miller? Why would you come to a con if you didn't want your picture taken? You're at a comic con. I don't know. Well, Storanko was had a thing too. that said, don't take any pictures. And he also charged for his signature. I got eventually. Yeah. He had a print uh, of the shadow. He signed it for me. The print 
only cost $15, but the signature was $60. Yeah. It was worth it. I'm happy. Yeah. Come on, man. Steranko. He knows the value of what he has done. Yeah. He's going to charge you for it. Yeah. If you're interested in him, you have to be respectful of how much work he did and what its value is. Yeah. I have no problem with that. So we walked into this booth and started talking to him. And we talked to him about the shadow and talked about the history History of comics. comics. And we talked about Nick Fury and Captain America. And then he was just interested in us. He just wanted to talk to us. He pulled out a book that was about him. And he started showing us pictures of himself. Right. Like 20 years old. Young, when he was really young, yeah. And he looks like Harry Houdini, only more handsome somehow, shirtless, chained like to the side of a building. And he's about to be thrown into the East River, you know, weighed down with all these rocks and he's going to escape from it. And he would, he said he would go to police stations and escape from handcuffs, you know, and go get locked in a cell and be able to escape and things. Yeah. Amazing that this guy starts off as a magician and an escape artist. He's like a Michael Shabon character from Cavalier and Clay come to life. Yeah. I mean, obviously, Michael Shabon knew a lot about Starenko when he was writing his characters. Knowing that we were going to talk about this, uh, you know, I wrote down some of his classic covers just for other folks to check out if they really want to know his art. So, yeah, obviously you have Captain America and Nick Fury stuff, but a lot of times they would give him number ones in a series to go, all right, same way they do with Neil Adams. Yeah. You know, like we need a great cover or John Romita too. We need a great cover for this. He did Tower of Shadow one. He did King Size Special Hulk one. Well, that which Hulk is really cover, famous. It's a famous cover and it's a fantastic cover. Oh my God. It's the Hulk, it's the Hulk who's and he's being he's being crushed by the word Hulk. It's a great one. He's uh, did a lot of strange tales and you could really see him come into his own 167, 168, have Nick Fury covers. X-Men 50, which I mentioned already. Shannon the She-Devil 1 and 2. I love Captain America 113. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's the peak. The inside of those issues are just outrageous. You know, this double spread of him fighting Hydra with Bucky. That's really top-notch stuff. Yeah. You know, I mean, he must hear it every damn time he appears at one of these things that some guy my age goes up to and says, oh, man, Nick Fury, number one, (laughs) you know, (laughs) but like, I don't care. I I just don't care. I'm sincere about it, whether they recognize it. He seemed to recognize that I was. And he loved to talk about it. He was ready to talk about all that stuff. He had. Yeah, I just feel like, you know, if you've experienced intense joy and inspiration about someone's art, even though they're famous. I mean, it was good because you were mentioning things that he doesn't hear every day. And that I thought I really helped the conversation and have an in with him. He honestly, there was a point where he wouldn't let me go when I asked him if he would consider ever being interviewed for our podcast. He 
gripped my hand and held it hard. And he said, why would I ever do that? I'm 84 years old and every morning I wake up and I feel my mortality. I'm ready. I could die. So why would I spend a moment of time doing anything that doesn't either make me money or let me do the art that I know I am still interested in doing? And can I mean, that do. may be indicative of why I'll speak for myself that I'm not like a famous CEO of a company or something because I wasn't going to keep pressing him on it. Yeah, your time is precious to you, man. I'm not going to like go, no, you have to be on the show with us. You know, I'm just <laughs> But like, I got okay, the feeling that fine. if he was going to do it for anybody, it would have been us. He really liked you. He loved that you played the bass. That's right. He Because he, he was a musician, too. Of man. course he's a musician. Uh, he, he's an international <laughs> spy. Of course he's a musician as well as an escape <laughs> right. artist. And, and he invented Indiana He's like Jones. selling of the comic book world. Yeah, he is. I forgot about that. Like he was saying, oh, I was in a rock and roll band, you know, playing like Kinks covers or whatever, you know. And then he, and I, I'm like, yeah, I play the bass. He's like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> and you asked him what he played, and he said, oh, I play everything. <laughs> I play everything, man. <laughs> he sells himself like that. I mean, if you're going to be an escape artist, you have to be a bullshit artist of the highest order. Yeah. It's just so insane, the whole idea. I mean, of taking your life in your hands all the time, chained up in a box, and they throw you into the East River. Yeah. It's absolutely insane. Most people don't do that. <laughs> so before we left his booth, and we kind of had to be dragged out by his people who were yeah, his weirdo people. <laughs> yeah, he had these people who were working with him who were helping him sell stuff and sort of managing his yeah. time. And after a while, I, I understood. I mean, we yeah. kind of monopolized his time for a while, and there were a bunch of other middle-aged goons like us who wanted to meet Steranko. <laughs> and um, so we had to be pulled out. But before I left, I almost offended him because I thought I almost offended him a few times. but. I said, have you ever been a storyboard artist? And he kind of looked at me like, you idiot. Yes, I've been a storyboard artist. Right, right, yeah. But he, but he also said, I haven't really, that's not really what I do. I do production art, but I don't really do a lot of storyboards, but I've done it a little bit. But he yeah. said, next time you come to a comp, come and see me because I'll tell you about this thing that I'm working on right now. This thing is a comic book that's entirely visual that's called frogs and he was like it's gonna it's gonna blow everybody's mind it's a brand right. new thing a new idea and come see me next time and and we'll talk about frogs that's good i want to i i'd love to read it i'd love to yap with him more about it we always wanted to talk to jim steranko we never will get him on the show but hey these guys are old now man like it's like the I'll take what know, I can the, get. Exactly. It's like the rock and roll guys. It's like, you know, they're not all going to be around forever. People go every week. You know, a lot of these big comic book innovators that we love, you know, everyone's time is finite. Yep. It was you a know? total honor to meet him. Yeah. If he ever hears the episode, power to you, Jim. 
Yes, man.